to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to kick this episode off a little differently here because this is kind of something that's occurring right now as I'm actually talking to you. Um, previous guests that I've had on the past, Stacy and Damien from Canada, have of course been through the ringer regarding their government and Stacy having worked for the federal government in the graphic design business. And of course, they're unjabbed and they're not going to get the jabs and they're not complying with all of the um, totalitarianism, putting it mildly, that's taking place there. So here's what's happening. Stacy and Damien are basically on their way to my house in Ohio seeking asylum. And uh, they need your help too. And they need all of our help, frankly. Uh, so I've set up a Give, Send, Go account, which I will link in the description below, where you can donate to them. Because again, they're, they're coming here with all that they have, and they're ready to sell what they have, and basically start fresh here in the United States, and we got to give them a hand as best we can. So please check the description below for the Give, Send, Go account. Um, every single red cent goes straight to them. And uh, let's give our Canadian brother and sister here some help so that they can get back on their feet in the States. And we'll do our best to show them what freedom is, even though it's being taken away from us too, although not as fast as Canada. But uh, what a fucking shame. At least, they, uh, at least they're going to get a chance here. A lot of people aren't getting a chance, and we got to help these people get, get, a, get a chance and get their feet underneath them. And um, yeah, so I wanted to let you know that. I'll keep you updated as to what, what goes on with that. And I'd say pray for them and pray for everybody who's there because their government is destroying people. And with their recent parliamentary order of keeping the Emergencies Act in place, I don't see Justin Castro cha you know, changing his mind with, with a, a variety of issues over the course of time here. It's, it's probably just going to continue to clamp down and get worse. I wanted to start off the episode here with that. And uh, I would encourage you to keep both of them in, in, your, in your prayers if you can. So, I'll keep you updated on that. Uh, moving on here, I've got a few stories, three in particular in the education field, and then approximately four in the jab department, as it were. With, and I'm going to end with just a, a really ridiculous piece of audio from Neil Cavuto from Fox News. I'm, I'm certain maybe some of you have heard what he said the other day. Uh, he's lost his mind. The man has lost his mind. He has AIDS. He claims that he used to have cancer. And then, of course, he has uh, multiple sclerosis. You know, he's a Fox News anchor, longtime Fox News anchor, in particular regarding the economy and things of that nature. But he looks physically terrible and apparently spent uh, a bunch of days in the ICU and, um, yeah, claims that the vaccines work. He was in the ICU with COVID, but don't worry, everybody, the vaccines still work. So I hope everybody can understand the seriousness of what's really going on here. Uh, you've got individuals that are dying from these shots and they are denying it right down to the bitter end. And like I said, Neil Cavuto looks physically terrible. He looks like an AIDS patient. And I've seen AIDS patients. I know what they, what they look like. Again, he was in there with um, viral pneumonia. Viral, quote-unquote, pneumonia. Or COVID pneumonia, as his doctors called it. But again, his doctors said, it could have been worse had you not been vaccinated. Whatever. 
Anyway, um, here's some education news and a few stories from very recently. This first one comes from Pennsylvania. Um, remarkably embarrassing. It's titled, uh, let's see, first of all, it comes from freewestmedia.com. It's titled, Pennsylvania School Caught Tossing Out Quote-Unquote White Books. It says, school students in Pennsylvania decided to stage a public book burning at their institution by throwing hundreds of books into rubbish rubbish tips. They threw them in waste management dumpsters um, to decolonize their school library for fun. And, of course, there's a TikTok video they decided to build because they're stupid. And uh, they're throwing a bunch of books into a dumpster. They don't know how to throw because they're they're missing the dumpster with the books. And they're excellent old history books that they should probably read instead of throwing away, as you might expect. And they're doing this, it says, to quote-unquote decolonize their school library. You see, this is Marxism. Up is down, left is right. Right is wrong, wrong is right, you name it. Um, here are some of the titles of the books. One of them is The War Against Boys, How Misguided Feminism is, Har- is Harming Our Young Men by Christina Hoff Summers. Rather recent book, I believe. Uh, next one is Stock Market Logic, a, sis- a Sophisticated Approach to Profits on Wall Street. And the next one was Making Democracy a Reality by Claude Bowers. And again, you can see a lot of these different books on, on the particular video that they show, but this is embarrassing. Uh, I don't know who would allow them to throw these books away. It's clearly being allowed by the librarian or the administration, somebody. But this is the kind of Marxism that where, where it's sanctioned within schools and completely allowed to take place, uh, it's game over. It's game over for the people that are still, attend, uh, you know, still attending those environments. And for what it's worth, again, clearly the, the white male student in the video is gay. Uh, he's, you know, he's making a joke about it, and he's in his own flamboyant, fun kind of way, I guess. And then there's another white female student who's, who's also throwing the books in the dumpster. These are idiots. That's all. These are idiots. These are, these are people that, when they enter the workforce, they're going to believe that they can just yell their way through their job or yell their way into employment or yell their way through employment and get what they want. That's that's just not the way that it works. If they start their own business, yeah, sure, they can probably do whatever they'd like, but they're throwing away all of the books that would teach them how to start their own business. So the irony is palpable. Uh, here's the next one. This comes from bignewsnetwork.com, and it bounced around a lot of different news outlets, as you might expect, but it's titled, School, of- School Officials Rather Arrested for Concealing Sexual Assault. Again, this shouldn't shock anybody because this is their prerogative, as it turns out. It says, court records suggest they declined to report the alleged abuse involving a baseball bat. It says, quote, five employees at a private school in Texas have been arrested on felony charges after being accused of failing to report an alleged sexual assault of a student to police, a court affidavit shows. One student was also reportedly taken into custody. Three administrators and two coaches at Midland Christian School 
including Superintendent Jared Lee and Athletic Director Gregory McClendon, were arrested this week for failure to report with intent to conceal, neglect, or abuse, a felony, according to court records obtained by local media. All were reportedly released on bond on Wednesday. Now, before I finish the story and get into some of the more specifics, anytime I read, and I gotta tell you, buckle up, this grinds my gears, anytime I read a story like this, this is the, is the exact thing that I experienced when I was a school teacher and led to my resignation. No, I was not the one engaging in the sexual misconduct or covering up. It was quite the opposite, as those of you who have listened to this podcast know and those who have read my books know. I was the individual who blew the whistle on the people who were doing this in the state of Florida. Unfortunately, they all came after me, as if I was the guilty party. I did everything I was supposed to do outside of, of course, going to a police department and filling out the police records for those that I worked with and those administrators who were in charge who were responsible for covering up very similar abuses. I mean, I got to tell you, it's just that, you know, the PTSD just kicks right back in again, and I'm, and I'm right back in that same frame of mind. Those individuals walk free while these individuals get arrested. I'm glad these people got arrested. They should be. They should lose everything that they have. Because failure to report abuse is always a state crime. Doesn't and, and un, again, unfortunately, it does not matter sometimes how how much you yell it, and and where you yell it, and who you yell it to. If they don't want to go after the people who are responsible, then the people who are responsible are going to get away with it, at least for a little while. But this kind of stuff. Uh, it, it really, it really bothers me. This is, this is probably one of the, one of the more heinous things that occurs within American K-12 schools and even in university settings. And for what it's worth, as I've brought up in the past too briefly, this is happening actually locally where I live within a local school district. We have numerous female students who have allegedly been assaulted by a male middle school teacher even from those that have previously graduated, have filed complaints against this individual. And uh, the administration knew about it. And they, they didn't report it. They didn't report it when they first heard about it. They didn't report it to police. They didn't fill out police reports. They didn't do any of that. They, again, just brushed it under the rug. I would, I would doubt that they even kept any kind of paperwork or took any kind of report themselves within the school building regarding such an incident. but. Overall, this kind of this kind of thing is actually the 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 mo most I would say prevalent form of abuse that does take place within school settings is the attempted cover up of of sexual assault or physical assault on minors. It's an abomination, uh, and anybody that participates in these kinds of things, I mean, you should throw the book at them. So, let's see, the story continues here, and it says, In addition to Lee and McClendon, baseball coach Barry Russell, secondary principal Dana Ellis, and assistant secretary, secondary principal Matthew Counts were also charged. Good Lord. Good Lord, that's a lot of administration. And coaches and adults. It says, while city officials told local reporters 
that a student was arrested for taking part in, a, in the purported assault. Police were called to the school to investigate a possible sexual assault case involving a child in late January. Detectives were told the incident occurred about one week prior during baseball practice at Midlands M.H. Christian Stadium. Uh, let's see. Again, the irony there is palpable. Uh, where, where the victim said he was abused as a part of a freshman initiation day. Ah, the old hazing thing. He added that he was pushed to the ground in a locker room by fellow students who started hitting him and later assaulted him with a baseball bat, according to the records. The affidavit notes that secondary principal Ellis was informed of the assault on January 20th and alerted Lee. The school superintendent the next day uh, yeah, they were alerted the next day. However, instead of bringing the matter to police, Lee allegedly launched an internal investigation, apparently taking no further action. See, that right there is the thing that took place and does take place. That took place with me. Um, you know, the administration keeps it quote unquote in-house. That's the phrase that they consistently use. We're going to keep it in-house. They don't take it to the, to the district investigator. They don't take it to outside police to do their investigation. They try to, honest to God, I mean, they just try to keep it as quiet as humanly possible. But, I mean, answer me this. Does it not seem to you that if you were an administrator in a position like that and you found out about something like that, that your first move would be to go to the police? Doesn't it seem like that would be the most logical stance to take? Because theoretically, you're actually... Well, it's not even theoretical. It's a fact. You're making less work for yourself by going to the police. You let the police do the investigation, not the school district. Then the police gets a hold of the school district and says, hey, look, one of your employees contacted us. Uh, we have a problem here and we're going to investigate. What happens, as I've said in the past, is that the school district has to take a backseat to that investigation. Now, what's, the, what's unfortunate is that even in those situations, the school district will contact the administrator and basically say, why didn't you tell us first? We could have handled it. Why didn't you tell us first? Ladies and gentlemen, if a law is broken, you go to the police. You don't go, you don't go to a fellow employee who has no clout, doesn't carry a badge, doesn't carry a gun, and isn't an enforcer of the law. You don't go to them for help. You go to the police. And I've learned that over the years. And again, that was the mistake I made. Yes, I talked to a police officer, but they just looked at me and they said, Sean, you'll lose your job and you'll lose everything you have if this goes up the ladder. I, I should have I told her to pound sand. I should have just said, you know what, I'm going to fill out police reports uh, for this administrator for covering up sexual grooming and physical assault and the same with a couple other teachers in my particular situation. Again, that's what I should have done in retrospect. Um, but either way, I'm glad that these people are being held accountable and thank God for it. it uh, let's see. It continues to say, instead of bringing it to officials, there you go. Police allege that the emails between school officials also show that they were aware of the incident but failed to report it. See, they can't help themselves but email each other using their own system. And they don't seem to think that those are going to be subpoenaed and used against them in a court of law or in any investigation. These people are dumb. They're dumb. Uh, it says the school board of trustees responded to the allegations in a statement on Wednesday, confirming the five employees had been arrested and the school officials have and will continue to cooperate with law enforcement and their investigation. 
See, that proves my point right there. The school district has to take a back seat once the cops get involved. Because then, again, the cops are in charge of the entire investigation. And you hope, of course, that the cops aren't related to the people who are involved. Because if they are, that's where a lot of the cover-up takes place, too. Believe me, nepotism is massive within police departments, in particular with their connections to school districts. It's awful. Um, They would hide bodies together sometimes if given the chance. It says, quote, the five administrators were notified of the alleged hazing incident involving some of our student athletes that resulted in school disciplinary action, wrote the board's president, Jason Stockstill, adding the physical, spiritual and emotional safety of our students is the most important responsibility we bear as educators and one we take seriously. There's your uh, there's your blanket bullshit statement right there. Well, they were beaten with a baseball bat and potentially sodomized, but, you know, whatever. Safety and emotional safety is the most important responsibility we have. Don't mind the fact that they're covered in bruises and beaten half to death and whatever else. Um, it ends by saying this. On advice from legal counsel, however, the president noted that the school would offer no further comment on the incident. Unquote. No kidding. No kidding. You were involved, and that's how that goes. I, I can't, I can't emphasize it enough. Um, I wrote it, I wrote it feverishly until I was blue in the face in my first two books. Where the finger points is the book that I wrote about my experience as a school teacher and how all of that ended. Um, it's the PG version. There's more to it. That, um, that I wanted to leave out on purpose that was a little more frightening regarding the way that I was personally treated by some of the people who were there. But uh, th- the second book, again, that, I, that I've written was, or that I wrote was Violence Among Students and School Staff. And that book lays it out again so that if anybody reading it wants to still be a school teacher or wanted to at the time, it, it says throughout that entire book and the first book, go to the police. Always go to the police. Don't worry about the loss of your job. Don't worry about what a friend tells you. Don't ask your friends for advice. Go to the police. Bring them documentation. Names, dates, actions, a chronological order of everything that took place. This happened on this day. I saw it. It was on security footage. I told this person who was an employee. I told the administrator, bang, ba bang, ba bang. And you go right down the list. And you let the police handle it. But like I said, it doesn't hurt to get a sheriff involved in the local sheriff department too, because local town police will sometimes cover these things up. So the more police departments you tell, as I state in those books, the better. The better it is for you, because that way everybody's aware of it. And they can't go to another department and say, hey, cover this up. They're going to go, wait a minute. No, this person came to us too. And again, everybody has an oath. Everybody's got an oath. That leads me, actually, believe it or not, to this next story. And this requires a little bit of um, elaboration as well from a personal standpoint because I'm currently helping a group of parents with this very process. And the process involves going after school districts and even city councils regarding their oaths of office and the insurance bonds that they have. Uh, what these elected f- officials do not know, and it's evident that they don't know it, is that if harm comes to a child as a result of their voting, 
or a harm comes to a child in loco parentis, in lieu of parent, when, when the organization, i.e. the school, is responsible for the safety of that child. And they actually believe that masking a child is for their safety. That's not a decision that the school gets to make ever under any circumstance. What they also don't get to do is make action based on propaganda or make action based on their opinions or their own false beliefs. They have to find facts by talking with the public as they have constituents as elected officials. With all of that said, there is an insurance bond that they are all under the umbrella of. And if they break their policy, which is usually referred to as a good faith and honesty policy or something along those lines, then you can file claims against their insurance company for breaking their agreement with their insurance company. No different, again, than a car accident. Someone hits you, that person has insurance, that person then has to pay a deductible to have both sides covered in the accident. School board members and city council members have a deductible. They personally have to pay out of their own personal bank accounts, not the city's bank account, not the school district's bank account, their own personal bank account, uh, a, a, a substantial sum of money, anywhere from five to 10 grand per claim, per claim. If there are hundreds of claims from parents per school board member or per city council member in a town or a city or a school district, that's a level of money they're not going to be able to pay. And what they don't seem to understand is, is that that has happened successfully. And it's made those individuals destitute. Those elected officials have had to sell their homes, uh, their automobiles, give up their retirement, cash in their 401k just to pay off the deductible to the insurance company because they don't have the money to do it personally. You see, here's the thing. These elected, being an elected official is a nightmare, and they don't know that. They think that they get to be an elected official and just kind of do whatever they want, whenever they want, and that's just the way that it is. And it does not work that way. As an elected official, the amount of laws that a person has to follow is endless, way more than the two of us, the three of us, the five audience members of this podcast. All of, <laughs> all of us basically just have way more, or I should say way less, laws that we have to follow because we're not elected officials. That's the way that it goes. When you, when you take an oath and you sign on a dotted line and raise your right hand, I mean, buckle up. Buckle up, because now anybody can come after you who elected you or didn't elect you but was a registered voter within the jurisdiction of that particular voting. Uh, it's Yeah, again, being an elected official is an absolute nightmare, and, and these small-time school board members and, and city council members, regardless of where they live, don't seem to understand that. That they don't, they don't get to lawfully just act on their feelings and, and vote particular ways or impose measures based on their feelings. doesn't work that way. 
These laws were actually created to, for us to protect us against elected officials. This is, the, this is the unsung, beautiful part of the founding fathers of this country. They knew that government was corrupt. They knew that they would engage in conspiracy. They also knew that they would do this openly in the public for everyone to see. The question then becomes, who's the predator, who's the prey, and what does the public know about the laws that were actually built for them to defend them from government? And that's what Americans and parents in particular are starting to learn more about now. They're learning more and more about the laws that were designed to protect them and their children. So here's the story. Because we've all heard this and we've all seen this, and of course this is happening on a regular basis with lots of individuals where, in school boards in particular, parents are showing up and serving the school board members with the intent to file a claim against their insurance policy, which again, the insurance companies work for, I mean, they are designed to protect the insured, but at the same time, if the evidence is overwhelming that there has been harm or foul play or laws that have been broken, and there's an actual claim to be, you know, to 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 pay out on, the answer is yes. A deductible has to be met, and those school board members are on the hook for it. So, when there's flack, you know that you're over the target. And here's NBC News, and this was tossed to me again by Steve, who was a previous guest on the program, and on the podcast, and and he's been on SGT Report talking about the bond issue, and he was on this podcast talking about the same thing back in October. Uh, He tossed this my way just uh, just the other day, again from NBC, and it's titled, Paper Terrorism, Parents Against Mask Mandates Bombard School Districts with Sham Legal Claims. It says, a group called Bonds for the Win is organizing parents to file claims against school districts' insurance policies taking a page from the Sovereign Citizen playbook. And I love how they just paint this as being a bad thing. Only NBC, ladies and gentlemen, and the fake mainstream media would do such a thing. That's why they are the enemy of the people. They're trying to now tell people that standing up for your rights and learning the law and holding people accountable who were who were tyrannical is a bad thing. I also, by the way, looked up the word or phrase paper terrorism. It's all over Wikipedia of all places too, and that's basically what it says. It says that people will, you know, the average citizens will type up legal claims or legal warnings and send them places. This also, again, was what the founding fathers knew that a lot of people, again, aren't paying attention to. You don't need a lawyer to take these people to court. You don't need to work with a law firm. You don't need to, I mean, all you need is in the county where I live, 350, 325 bucks to file a criminal claim against a group, an organization, or an individual. If you have all your your I's dotted and your T's crossed and you've notarized the right paperwork and you look up how to do that, you you can take them to court. You can be your own prosecuting lawyer. And it becomes the burden of you then to, of course, prove that they, in fact, broke the law in front of a judge or a jury. They're not going to want to do that, in particular, again, if the proof is there. But the Founding Fathers knew 
that the, the average American citizen would not need a lawyer if they didn't want one, that they, again, can be their own prosecutor. And I love that this is happening across the country because, of course, what they're not going to tell you in this long, ridiculous article, of which I'm not going to spend too much time on, is they're not telling you that parents are winning and that this is a very real thing. So here's what it says, and this is from Tyler Kincaid and Ben Collins. They sound like strong men, don't they? I doubt it. Uh, It says, Jill Griffin had a panic on her hands. Teachers and staff members of her school district in Bethalto, Illinois, if I'm saying that right, probably not, don't care. It says, a small town outside of St. Louis were suddenly worried that they would not be paid. They had seen videos posted online in which a parent who objected to the district's COVID mask mask mandate said that she had filed a claim against the district's insurance, causing the school to lose all federal funding. Griffin, the Buffalo, I'm sorry, Bethalto, there we go, school's superintendent had spent weeks dealing with the fallout. Quote, you have district officials who are spending time on things like this rather than on what needs to be spending time on, making sure that our classrooms are covered right now in the middle of a pandemic. See, that right there proves that their priorities are off. They aren't listening to parents. Parents are saying the masks do nothing because they're literate and they can read the the directions on the side of a box. This charade has been going on now for a year, two years rather, my apologies, two years. And, um, And they're claiming again that all of this is a waste of their time as school officials and that they need to, you know, pay more attention to wiping desks down and putting up shower curtains in between the rows to make sure that uh, everybody doesn't catch leprosy. These people are not well. They're mentally ill. They're mentally ill. Because again, that last paragraph I just read is, is just a quintessential definition of how they have their priorities completely off. It continues briefly here, and then I'm going to wrap this particular article up and move on to some jab news. It says, uh, the parents' claims were baseless, according to NBC. She had no ability to use the mask mandate to file a claim against the district's insurance policy or affect its federal funding in any way. They say, but the scare tactic has become a familiar one. A growing number of school districts across the country are facing similar challenges from parent activists who have adopted strategies and language that are well-known to law enforcement and extremism experts who deal with far-right, quote-unquote, sovereign citizen groups in the U.S., the Southern Poverty Law Center, and Anti-Defamation League call it paper terrorism. Oh, my. Ladies and gentlemen, again, when the U.S. Southern Poverty Law Center and the Anti-Defamation League get involved, you know you're over the target. You know you're doing the right thing when those groups rear their ugly heads and start telling people that defending human rights against tyrants is a bad thing. I, 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 could, I could continue to read this drab, but I, I, don't know why I, would, I don't know why I'd bother. I understand it was Illinois, but now school districts in Illinois that are implementing masks and forcing them are breaking the law. 
They're openly breaking the law. It's been ruled by a judge that there's no logical basis whatsoever for mask mandates. None. Zero. And that did away with it. But then, of course, their governor doubled down and, well, we're taking them to court too, and blah, 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 blah. And then it's just this giant back and forth. Taking people to court so that they can breathe. I mean, let that, let that sink in. That's next level stupidity. Okay. Um, jab stuff here. Jab-related things. First of all, very quickly, regarding the Bob Saget stuff and his head injury. People saying, well, he was hit with a baseball bat. Bob Saget died of a baseball bat or somebody beat him to death. No, he was triple jabbed and he fell and he hit something and he died. And they said, well, his brain injury would indicate that, you know, he was, it was blunt force trauma. If, if you fall on your head, even if you don't, if you suffer from a stroke or a brain bleed, which is a stroke, um, the inside of your brain is going to look like it's experienced blunt force trauma. Cranium aside, the actual bone structure aside, the inside of your brain is going to look as if you were hit with something. Now, he's a big dude. He was a tall dude. My guess, dollars to donuts, is that this guy had a stroke or blacked out and then hit his head and then continued to bleed internally and then died. And that was the end of it. Um, again, wasn't there, didn't participate, I really don't know. But he was triple jabbed. He was triple jabbed. Um, very similar story recently. Miss Alabama has died eight days after a head injury. Police are refusing to say why or how it happened. Was, was she jabbed? I don't know. Possibly. Possibly. I mean, when all roads lead to that question, and that becomes the first question that a person asks when someone dies, you know what the cause of death probably is. And it should also be a giant red flag to everybody that you should never take these shots because they're a eugenics poison. Period. Again, even in car accidents now, a person gets in a car accident and they go, well, what caused the car accident? Were they driving? Were they jabbed? It's all a part now of the conversation. And if people don't know that, again, that's because they're double or triple jabbed or quadruple jabbed, and they're living in their own comfortable delusion and they have no way out, or they don't think they have a way out. So that's part of the death cover-up that continues to take place, which is awful. I'm not making fun of it. I think it's terrible, but it, it's astounding. The, the cognitive dissonance just continues to baffle me. It always will. I'll always find it fascinating that a human being could be beaten to death uh, with a rubber mallet on television in front of an audience of millions of people, and they will have a microphone in their face saying that they are not being beaten to death with a rubber mallet on television in front of millions of people. They'll just say, it's not happening, don't look over here. What you think you're seeing is not what you're seeing. Okay. This next one comes from Summit News, and this was big too. It's, uh, it's titled, Report, CDC has withheld COVID data from Americans to prevent vaccine hesitancy. And yes, they did. 
The CDC withheld information because they were afraid of vaccine hesitancy, in particular when it came to the boosters. It says, quote, the New York Times reported this past weekend that the CDC has chosen not to publish huge amounts of COVID data, instead keeping it secret, because it fears that the information would cause, quote unquote, vaccine hesitancy among the American public. That's a crime. Uh, That's a crime. Pretty certain, anyway. So the day when we get to see uh, old Walensky swing, that'll be, um, that'll be a good day. It continues, it says, um, the report notes that the withheld data includes information on boosters, hospitalizations, wastewater analysis, and, as well as critical information on COVID infections and deaths broken down by age, race, and vaccination status. Uh, the justification for holding the information back, question mark, fears that the data would be misrepresented or misinterpreted, rather, and lead to vaccine hesitancy, according to the report. In other words, it didn't fit into the narrative that everyone must get vaccinated and boosted, no matter who they are and what their situation is. It's awful. Absolutely awful. Here's a few quotes from their report. Um, It says, the report notes Kristen Nordland, a spokesperson, a spokeswoman for the CDC said the agency has been slow to release the different streams of data because basically, quote, at the end of the day, it's not yet ready for prime time, unquote. She said the agency's, quote, priority when gathering any data is to ensure that it's accurate and actionable, unquote. Uh, this is, uh, you know, no offense to Ron Johnson, Senator Ron Johnson, but it's much like when Ron Johnson said, I don't think the public is ready to hear that when Tom Rents was talking about cancer rates dramatically increasing by the hundreds of percents, if not thousands of percents, among those individuals who have been jabbed. There's just, there's this giant control, of course, this giant arm that just reaches out and grabs even the seemingly well-intended politician and pulls them back and says, no, 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 we, we, you, you, know, you need to say that the public's not ready to hear that yet. People have been dying of cancer related to the jabs since the very first jabs that were rolled out. I mean, people died immediately after taking... Uh, Taking the jabs, most famously that um, her last name is Dover, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I, I don't know if she was in Colorado or Utah, but um, you know we we all saw her die right on camera. She took the shot, she passed out, she died, and then everybody covered it up. Well, you can't cover up her death record; that exists. So there's that. Um, okay, here's the next one: vaccineimpact.com. 68,000% increase in strokes as FDA and NIH secret, uh, secretly study reports of neurological injuries after COVID-19 vaccine. No kidding. And there's also, it says, almost a 3,000 increase in neurological injuries following the COVID-19 vaccine. So that's not good. But again, we kind of knew about this over a year ago. Here's the next one. Again, more recent from the CDC. It says uh, FDA expert urges CDC to tell the truth and present the data. 
after it refuses to publish data on booster shot effectiveness over fears of vaccine hesitancy. And this comes from the Gateway Pundit. So now you have the FDA claiming that they're the good guys, leaning into the CDC and saying, hey, look, you should release the information. You know, trying to put, I'll tell you what, the enemy does a very nice job, do they not, of trying to put one another on an island um, when the lights get turned on and everybody's hand is caught in the cookie jar. The finger pointing is astounding. And that right there is exactly what the guilty do. They consistently point fingers. They rationalize their own involvement any way they can. And like I said in the previous article from the summit, they're going to say, well, it's probably about waste management or water, water-related health or whatever it may be. The excuses are a mile long, and they're just going to keep coming up with them, I'm certain. So we got we to basically keep track of that as much as we can. Here's the last related uh, kind of COVID shot-related thing I wanted to bring up. And again, this is the audio of Neil Cavuto. The poor man's lost his mind. And he looks terrible, by the way. He's remarkably thin. He used to be a rather heavy man. Uh, He had a heart transplant or severe heart surgery a while back that had him off of Fox News for quite some time. But, um, well, apparently he's back even after a very long hiatus. So I'm just going to let the audio play here. And you can hear what he says, because again, not only is he talking fast and doing you know, his best to rationalize what actually is happening to him, the man's not well. And I'm talking about between the ears, not well. This did drag on a long time for me. So you really do deserve an explanation from me. And here goes. I did get COVID again but a far, far more serious strand, what doctors call COVID pneumonia. It landed me in intensive care for quite a while, and it really was touch and go. Some of you who wanted to put me out of my misery darn near got what you wished for. So sorry to disappoint you, but no, the vaccine didn't cause that. That grassy knoll theory has come up a lot. Uh, My very compromised immune system did. Because I've had cancer, and right now I have multiple sclerosis, I'm among the vulnerable three percenters or so of the population that cannot sustain the full benefits of a vaccine. In other words, it simply doesn't last. But let me be clear. Doctors say, had I not been vaccinated at all, I wouldn't be here. It provided some defense, but that is still better than no defense. Maybe not great comfort for some of you, and frankly, not great comfort for me either. This was scary. How scary? I'm talking Ponderosa suddenly out of the prime rib in the middle of the buffet line scary. That's how scary. Every word that he said is a lie. Every single word, except for the fact that he said he has serious health problems. He's jabbed to the bone. He's had COVID, quote unquote, twice. That's not COVID, Neil. That's not, that's not certificate of vaccination identification, Neil. That's not even coronavirus, Neil. What that is, is AIDS. That's called AIDS. That's a permanently compromised immune system. And it will be the cause of his death. Now again, wasn't a healthy guy. I remember back in the day, Michael Savage used to call him Neil Frusciuto. I loved it, <laughs> and I thought, I thought it was funny. Great name, great nickname. Um, you know, it's. Uh, the, I I don't I don't know I don't know what to I don't know what to say. 
the human mind is, is amazing. It will believe a lie, as I've stated before, right to the very bitter end. And only the release of death, the sweet release of death, will bring any kind of clarity to any of these individuals. And then they will be shown their life review by Christ. And they'll be forced to basically just eat the biggest helping of humble pie they've ever had. And I'm certain that's going to happen to all of us to some extent. We can't walk through life knowing the absolute truth about everything. But for God's sakes, for Neil Cavuto to have the stones, to actually sit there, or I shouldn't even say that. It's, that that's, it's not courageous or strong of him to say it. It's stupid. For him to call it a grassy knoll theory that the shots are causing his pneumonia. No, that's no, Neil. That's exactly what's happening. That's exactly what's happening to you. And keep in mind, ladies and gentlemen, pneumonia was one of the biggest causes of death when a person was diagnosed with AIDS as a result of having HIV and a permanently compromised immune system. Pneumonia is one of those things that gets the person most. Yes, there's cancer. Yes, there's organ failure. There's even blindness that goes along with it. But pneumonia was always kind of the kicker. That was always sort of the more prevalent respiratory illness and overall illness that would occur when an, in, when an individual has AIDS. Pick any famous person that you've ever heard of who had AIDS. They had pneumonia. They couldn't breathe. Now, Neil Cavuto, again, is in complete denial. There's no helping that. There's just no helping that. And I, again, I wonder if he's giving, you know, receiving ivermectin. I wonder if he's receiving the things that are actually saving people. And that's all he had to do. But honest to God, we're watching a culling here that is going to be the likes of which is biblical. It's just going to be biblical. There is no doubt about it. Too many people have fallen for this, and they are dying in front of our own eyes, even on TV for the people that watch television still. And people can't, for the life of them, make the connections. And keep in mind, again, the people that are on television, who are in the lying business of being in the media, they're not going to tell you the truth on air about why they are ill. We can even watch them lose consciousness and black out on television, and they'll cover it up by saying, oh, they were dehydrated. Maybe, they, you know, they just missed a meal, and before they went on air, they'll, you know, they were talking about how hungry they were and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it's a common thing. And then they wheel them away, toss them in a meat wagon, and then take them away, and they're gone. I mean, they, they will cover up their death if their death happens live on air for people to see, because it's already happened. So why would they stop now? They've got to perpetuate this lie, and they've got to keep it going. And the only thing, again, in conclusion, that wraps all of this up and stops all of this is people have got to stop participating in, in these tyrannical businesses, these tyrannical education institutions, and walk away and just let them live in their own delusional echo chambers as they scream and shout and try to convince everybody that we're the crazy ones and that they are the sane ones. Yeah. I don't know what else to add. Um, to wrap up here briefly, again, Prayers to Damien and Stacy, and um, I'm going to work on getting a Give, Send, Go set up for both of them, and uh, I hope that the listeners of this podcast will be able to contribute 
again, even if it's a dollar. Uh, you know, they're, they're in some dire straits here because it's war. And we've got to circle the ra- wagons here and we've got to help one another as best we can. I'm, I'm currently in a position where I can assist them in, even in the smallest way possible. And, and I'm, I'm fully intending on doing that. So they know that. And uh, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. That's, that's, that's what we got to do. That's just what we have to do because it's war. And uh, again, in the words of Mike Eden, and I just watched this, by the way, he, he had a, um, an, ex- an excellent talk about 25 minutes long with Catherine Austin Fitz very recently. And he was des- describing, again, the, the longer-term plan for this rollout. He said, yeah, they didn't get everybody, you know, the bad guys didn't get everybody jabbed uh, as quickly as they wanted or get as many people jabbed as they wanted. They got an awful lot, but now the boosters aren't working and no one's really buying into the jabs anymore. And, you know, that's the way that it is. So what are they going to do next? The next thing they're going to do is come after the internet and they're going to come after the banking and they're going to come after people's inability to, to purchase things. And look what Canada is doing right now. Look what they're doing. I mean, they're, they're going after people's bank accounts. They're going after people who were peacefully protesting there. They're finding them. Their own chief of police again said, and I saw the, the audio clip where he says, oh, yes, we're going to be going after the individuals who were there. We have their faces on camera. This, this is going to be a long, arduous process and blah, 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 and we're going to come after all of them. Well, that, that right there, ladies and gentlemen, is totalitarianism, period. So we've got to help the people that um, have their backs against the wall temporarily here. And uh, I hope that um, once I get this give, send, go up for, for the two of them, that uh, you can give it, give it your time and, and maybe toss a donation on there for them. I'm, I'm positive it would be greatly appreciated. And as I said, every single red cent will go straight to them. So with that said, ladies and gentlemen, take care, and I'll catch you on Friday. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.